welcome to the Eternatus VMAX podcast where myself and Sean talk about the arguably one of the best decks in format, Eternatus VMAX, arguably, actually not even for up to for debate anymore, a tier one deck, Sean, my co-host, how are you doing today? I am I am doing good. Uh, I'm excited to be here on the final episode of this Eternatus-based podcast. What? Um, because, uh, you know, after this, we're going to have to rebrand from an Eternatus-based podcast to uh, any other deck, literally any other deck, because I am on a mission. But we will talk about that mission in a little bit. How are you doing, what do you wanna, Jake? Uh, what do you, wait, 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 wait. But first, like, what do you want to re- rebrand to ADP? We're gonna. Oh we're no, gonna I don't want to. ADP is definitely... a toxic brand. ADP is toxic. Oh my god. <laughs> that would That's be basically the... the summation of today's podcast. Uh, Eternatus uh, and ADP. <laughs> Shove Eternatus down Sean's throat and question why ADP exists. But not that I'm doing okay today. I've had a very busy day. I went back to the office last week, um, and uh, I I've been working nonstop for the last week and I'm pretty okay with that because I don't sleep anyways. So like might as well do work, you know, get, be productive, get stuff done. Well, you, I know that you uh, submitted your resume and portfolio to a very prominent creator. Fingers crossed for you, Jake. I'm not going to say anymore. Don't want to jinx Thanks. anything. I need good vibe. I've been refreshing my email for the last like 24 hours every like 10 minutes Nothing yet, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to hold my breath, right? Cause like, this is a big time dude. I'm sure I won't say who it is just cause I don't want anybody spamming their comments or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. About it. Like, but I'm sure there are way more people that have applied that are more or have more experience that I have, but I I don't know. Like I, I consider myself probably or more than likely the most dedicated individual <laughs> to ever apply for literally anything. I would say this. Um, I would say you should be in a good spot. Honestly, I, I really think so. And, and you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So it's literally, yeah. you got to put yourself out there. Michael Scott yep. right there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, y- y- YOLO. I've done this before. I've applied to big time people before and they've said n- well, they have, they never actually responded, but that is no. <laughs> they didn't say no, but, but they didn't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say yes. They actually didn't say anything at all, but, um, but I know that's just how it goes. I think of it like, uh, for any of my people who are job searching or whatever, I think of it like college applications or like when I was being recruited to be a college student athlete, like you're going to send a lot of emails and there's a lot of people that are just not going to answer you. And that's okay because like you just got to when you find the right fit, you know, they'll somebody's going to take a chance on you. So, again, like you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. So anyways, what are we a are we a character development podcast or are we a Pokemon TCG podcast? We're a little bit of both. But today, today, I think we're going to lean more into Pokemon um, and we'll talk more about self-help and character development next week, maybe. (laughs) I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat, but we got a lot of things to talk about today. We got some of the future that's coming up. We also have a lot of results. There were a lot of tournaments within this past week, I feel like, and a lot of good tournaments as well, some big time ones. So we're going to be doing that. Sean has a new series. And then we also have 
quite arguably is one of the best interviews in my opinion one of the best interviews to reach a pokemon tcg podcast because holy smokes uh this this person that we interviewed no we could say who it is We're, they're listening to the podcast now it's gonna be in the title oh yeah i guess that's isaiah true. bradner right. we interviewed isaiah great kid super awesome but like literally one of the most five head people i've ever met before and if you don't know what five head is because it's twitch language and i'm realizing that i'm speaking a lot of twitch language lately um five head just basically means like 200 iq except 300 iq so that's what we got today and then we got a new segment to start it's a question of the day segment that i think some of you will enjoy Hopefully you all enjoy. But anyways, Sean, <laughs> please, please love me. Um, please, please love me. Let's kick it off, though. Let's kick it off with some vivid voltage talk. Just jump straight into it. So if you're unaware with what vivid voltage is, vivid voltage is going to be our November set uh, coming later this year. It's just kind of our every three month set as usual. Um, but there's some new stuff that was revealed in it, including the things like different types of or different amounts of each rarity and different cards that are going to be in it so this set vivid voltage in november is going to include six different vmax pokemon 11 pokemon v's and 13 full art pokemon v's so we have more full art pokemon v's than regular pokemon v's i find that to be very 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 interesting uh we have 16 trainer cards and seven Full art supporter cards, four new special energy cards, four. A lot of special energies well, lately, in my opinion. One of them, I'm pretty sure, is the new metal special energy. Did you see this? I did. So it's basically metal frying. It doesn't help with reducing damage, but it is a replacement to metal frying pan as an energy. So gets rid of it's weakness for metal. Guard energy. It's a weakness guard yeah. energy, except it provides metal energy, and it's only for metal types. Yes. Which, but, I mean, that's as pretty... if ADP didn't need to be strong enough. Yeah, I like, know. That's like, come on. Jesus, come on, people. But... <laughs> Zacian absolutely broken. Anyways, one of the... Because I talk a lot about a Pokemon investing. I have, I have kind of a series on the channel where every month I talk about the different trends of like what booster boxes are moving, what, what's the pricings look like, and how... What, is it upwards or downwards trends? The the real thing for me that I find very interesting is that Vivid Voltage is confirmed to have six amazing rare Pokemon. Or they, they say specifically amazing Pokemon, but then they provide pictures of the amazing rares that we saw in Legendary Heartbeat. Now, there was a lot of speculation that these amazing Pokemon were going to be put in uh, Champion's Path, but... That's obviously not going to happen anymore. So, like, Sean, I don't know what's going to be in Champion's Path besides a full art Charizard promo in the ETB. I mean, there's got to be something in there that draws people in. Because they. this is one of those, It's they're trying to make it the Hidden Fates. Well, I'll say this. Pokemon isn't trying to make it Hidden Fates necessarily. Hidden Fates just happened, right? But... That's what everyone is reacting to it like. You can't pre-order one right now. They're all sold out. They're marked up twenty got thirty dollars. I got refunded. I know. It's like it's it's stupid, honestly, because you don't even know what's in the set. Now, if if the Rainbow Zard VMAX is 
in the set as a pullable card, meaning not a promo that you automatically get. If it is actually in the set proper, okay, then you have one super duper chase card. Uh, and then you have the question of, are they going to include the gold cards that were in last year's Japanese special set? Um, like the gold Reshiram and Charizard. I mean, who knows? Honestly, like they haven't confirmed anything. And we're, we're at this point with the, this podcast is coming out. We're only like three weeks or four weeks away, three and a half weeks away from release of Champions Path products. So it's going to be coming soon if it comes out. People are only buying the ETBs because there's a money card that comes with the ETB, and that is the Charizard. You look at any of the pink collections that we talked about on the podcast, you can get pink collections literally anywhere. Like, they, I'm sure they're not even scraping the sold out Yeah, right I now. Mean, I think they'll, ha- they'll be sold out when the set drops because, look, I Champions Path so. has to have chase cards. It just does. Like, right now, there are no chase cards in Champions Path that you can pull, right? Like, I, I don't know yeah. of any. So it has to, there has to be a Charizard. There's got to be it, something. I mean, there's just nothing in that set. There's nothing right now that it makes me think like, I need to buy these pin collection boxes unless I wanted like the pin collections yeah, or do I they come the with pins. a promo card? <laughs> I mean, the pins are, the pins are all right. I mean, they're the gym badges, but like. Well, that, I want to collect all the gym badges. I, I want to be a real Pokemon master. Oh my gosh. Well, you're the one that hasn't finished the Sword and Shield video game. This is very true. This is (laughs) okay. (laughs) I think this is I think this is kind of okay with the conversation of Vivid Voltage. I'm sure we'll be coming back to it here in the next couple weeks. I will say though, Um, best uh, set logo, set artwork logo. uh, Oh yeah, no, it's beautiful. It is very beautiful. Chonky Pikachu. How do you not love Chonky Pikachu on an ETB? It's so good. No, no, no. Forget the Chonky Pikachu, okay? Forget the Chonky Pikachu. The Orbeetle, Gigantamax Orbeetle, or like VMAX Orbeetle, or whatever we want to call it. Um, there's a Snorlax being taken by the Orbeetle. That's the best thing about the art. <laughs> I mean, Chonky Pikachu looks really good, but the but the Snorlax being taken by the Orbeetle, that's, that's the real it is money right good. there. That's the real money. Anyways, now I will... Now we'll move on to the next stuff. So meta recap. Meta recap. So there's a lot of things that happened. I kind of want to start off with the Players Cup because um it the Players Cup, in my opinion, is good. It's very, very good, especially for new players because the broadcasters are excellent. You know, there were very, very great players, awesome players in there. Um, so like I was super happy about all the stuff in the Players Cup. And it was actually super surprising to see Jack Miller and Matthew Burris go one, two with Luke metals. Ashen. I believe it was the same 60. Yeah. Or if it was, it was like a couple cards, but I think it is actually the exact same 60. I think they practice together. They're both from Australia. So it would make sense because Australia has a very tight knit community in their region, but we saw a lot of different things in there. We saw several people pick Eternatus VMAX. We saw two Scorch, one of them placing fifth. So that's not too bad. We obviously ADP, 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 ADP. There was a Decidueye Goons in there. Alex Piney at ninth, tied for ninth. Shout outs to Alec. You've got, uh, you've got BDE over there uh, bringing Decidueye Goons. And uh, the most interesting one, in my opinion, was toward Reckliff, as always, 
the legendary player bringing Intellian Frostmoth. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I feel like he is a bit ahead of the game, realizing that Intellion was probably going to be a decent call for the early metagame and post-rotation, which, because, you know, we'll get to this in a second, but it also had some good showings at other tournaments, uh, you know, right after rotation happened as, as well. So it's uh, I think it's good to see, like, you know, he did pretty well. He got, what, top four, so. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the Luke medal winning, uh, you know, one, two winning was a bit of a surprise. And I think the main reason you may have already said this bronzong. I mean, everybody who thought Santa Scorch was going to be good that brought it into that tournament got bronzonged. And what bronzong does is fire Pokemon can't do any damage to it. So you set one up and then you just leave it. And so long as you have more cards in your deck than your opponent, you win. <laughs> I mean, you can even start attacking with Bronzong. Three Metal Energy, Shady Stamp. As, <laughs> as, as, as you're drawing your Metal Energies, just attach them. Because they can't do anything else. You might as well try to take six prizes. That's I mean, you true. play three Marnies, so like... You've got, you've got ways to reset the hand. But yes, Bronzong, very interesting. It's from Team Up for anyone who doesn't know. Heatproof is the ability... Um, Shady Stamp only does 70, so you're two shot of Volcanion at least, though, uh, with that. But I but, think, I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I think we can move on from players. I think it was an interesting tournament. It was good. Very early, and it's only 16 players, right? So it's like the sample size is very small. Mm -hmm. But we can get into, uh, I think what we have, like five different tournaments here over the course of the last week plus. Uh, that, that give you, and I think it tells a story as well as how the metagame developed over the course of just one week. You know what, Sean, do you, uh, do you want to tell this story? I, I want you to, I want you to lead this story because I know, uh, you're so passionate about, about <laughs> one of your, uh, positions that you may have had that we, uh, talked about the other week. Okay. Okay. Well, my story goes as such. First tournament was the Hexter. Uh, season two, top deck two, which I commentated along with Ethan. So shout out to myself and Ethan there. <laughs> and then what we saw there was actually, you know, kind of a range of things, but a lot of Mewtwo welder. That I think was a surprise for a lot of people. A lot of Mewtwo welder. Only a few ADPs making it into top 16, but you know, still a decent showing. A bunch of Eternatus, especially at Through the top, the top of that end. spots. <laughs> but then Inteleon was able to take the win over an Eternatus in the finals. So it's like, okay, cool. Eternatus, I, I, I have to admit, Eternatus is clearly a very good deck, and we will see how that evolves. But Inteleon took down the first tournament. Moving into the second Hexter event, kind of more of the same, right? The only difference here is, you know, Mewtwo Welder seemed to take the top spot instead of Inteleon. Um, and I think that actually... I'm looking at the second event. There was a lot less Eternatus VMAX in the top 16 on that one. May have just been that people wanted to play different decks, to be frank. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised Mewtwo Welder won because I know that Mewtwo Welder has a tough time against Eternatus. So them taking down the, the field there was uh, impressive. And then after that, after that, it's all Eternatus as far as the eye can see. It's awesome. <laughs> It's actually awesome. <laughs> so um, if you have $200 to spend 
on PTC Geocodes. Congratulations. You too can be a winner. <laughs> hey, I just I just went full 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 uh five head and just pulled him. That's, that's I didn't true. have to trade for him. Get I just lucky. Pulled him. Get lucky, scrubs. Um, so we talk about the hexer. The last one that happened before this recording, which was Friday, August 28th. Top deck number four. Eternus' VMAX takes the cake going 9-1-1. Very, very interesting. Welder Mewtwo getting second in that, though. So still like a super, super strong showing. Eternus also had appearances at 8th, 11th, 15th from that. Then you move on to some of the bigger... Well, actually, I don't even know if it's some of the bigger tournaments because Ethan has been having gigantic numbers, which is awesome. Well, I will say the annual championships was what this one was. So I think it was invitational and um, yes, record-based the, hitting in. The JGB 2020 annual championships happened on August 30th. Had 37 players. Again, it was an invitational. So it was a series of events that happened um, over the course of a while. And then this is the culmination of that. Eternatus was literally everywhere. All right. In the top 16. Third place. Lacephalon, 8th place, ADP, 10th place, ADP, 12th place, ADP, 16th, ADP. Everything else was a turn to VMAX. Literally everything else. <laughs> it's absolutely insane, to be honest. Like, so much Eternatus. And the crazy thing is, all of the Eternatus lists, like, they're not really that different, you know? Like, I think what some people... Are doing is what Isaiah is going to mention in his um in the interview you're going to hear with them but it's like you know do you start maybe playing turbo patches or other ways to accelerate energy but other than that they're all basically the same I have never been so annoying to Sean about <laughs> how well a deck has been doing because he 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 put it on the Pog Championships in that advertisement. He I put did. the clip of him saying that Eternatus was bad. No, I said and it's oh not going to be. Boy. I say you're not going to have to worry that much. I didn't say it was bad. You don't want to worry about Eternatus now. Even underplaying it, I was clearly wrong. I, I mean, will admit it's- here on the podcast, I will take my licks. I will admit that I was incorrect about Eternatus. To give to give Sean credit though, there's a. From what I said, I've said this previously, but like as the format goes on, I think I mentioned this after like the Pog Championships and Eternatus was barely there. Um, as the format moves on, people will start finding more fine lists, better lists, finding out better ways to build certain things. That's exactly what Eternatus is doing. People have just been able to practice more with it. They've been able to play more games, more matchups, more tournaments. I mean, there's so many different online tournaments. You don't just have to test with your buddies or against ladder. You can play against other people that are having these high stakes, which is why the Hexer event consistently now has like a hundred people in it, which is awesome. Um, so, so I continue. would say that looking at the last few events in particular, between Azul, the Hexer, and the JGB, it is probably fair to say that there are basically three decks right now in format that are particularly good and coming out in numbers and that is eternatus adp and mewtwo and mew welder you know inteleon gets a couple of uh honorable mentions in the top blacephalon a couple of, of honorable mentions but generally speaking there's three decks and you know what i love about 
that, Jake? What? I love that that every single one of those decks has a very similar play style in that they are big, big Pokemon, not big basics, not in Eternatus' case, but super big three price Pokemon whose goal is to attack for lots of damage. You don't have, like in the Sword and Shield, it's like, oh, I have to beat ADP and or mill or control, right? No, no, mm-hmm. none of that. It's all the same. And that makes it, I think, really not easy to counter, but like it gives you a very clear line of sight to say, what is a deck that can take down the top decks in the format? I find it, I find it to be really interesting. I, I really, I like this better than the Rebel Clash format. I think that there's more variety. I think that the kind of, I mean, you look at the fall of Dragapult, you know, people are not as afraid to play other things and be like aggressive, right? Because like Dragapult, Dragapult has almost the same concept as ADP. Not exactly for sure, but in the sense of I do, I do damage and then I try to gust up your, your Dedenes and kill them. But now with, with, kind of Eternatus gatekeeping Dragapult per se. Now it's opened up different things like Mewtwo to come in and other decks like that. So then we still have to be afraid, but we're not like super afraid. Yeah, I think just like it's it's open up the format a little bit, but we'll get to it a little bit later. I still think there's a problem with the format right now. It's better than what it was before. And I've way I've enjoyed this format way more so far than rebel clash will talk to me in about a month to see how i feel but like there's still there's still one actually it could be two big problems but yeah. one giant problem yes we will talk that'll be the the sign off to this episode um and i will say in a month we're also going to have introduced a bunch of new cards from champions path right that's true, actually. All of the Pokemon V that came in like those V starter decks or whatever, the V theme decks. Yeah, we're going to have Colossal and Togekiss. People are hyped about Togekiss. I'm hyped about Colossal. Well, actually, I think Colossal, yeah, Colossal's going to Oh, no, be that's invaded. Vivid Voltage. But Togekiss, you are right. We are getting Togekiss. And Alcremie and Gardevoir, right? And Alcremie, yeah, Alcremie, Alcremie in particular. Um, yeah. So I, I do think that there are cards coming out that could shake up the format a little bit. Waylord. Uh, and also, <laughs> I'm such dude. a joke. Um, but uh, before we go on to the interview, because I think it's about time to go on, I just have one thing to say. While I will admit that I was incorrect on my Eternatus call, uh, I have been inspired to create a new series called uh, Hashtag Eternatus is Canceled. And the reason I'm doing that is obviously Eternatus is everywhere, right? And I cannot stand the shame of being <laughs> wrong about my prediction. So uh, in a meta manipulation move, I am creating different decks that I think can take down Eternatus. We'll actually see how it goes. It's mostly for fun for everybody out there. But on my YouTube channel, a little bit of a plug here. If you can play those decks that I'm posting, you know, small tweaks here and there, but if you can play those decks in tournaments or on ladder and prove that you are able to beat an Eternatus in some form, with that deck tweet those results to myself and jake uh and uh i will give you a darkness ablaze booster pack code a uh, one i just want to i just want to enforce that sean will be the one giving yes, you the darkness yes, ablaze not jake. don't worry code. 
I I will not because I'm poor. If you want to give me if you want to give me money or give me packs, if anybody wants to, if any business out there that sells codes wants to sponsor this campaign, <laughs> feel free to hit us up. Feel free to hit us up. But well, I do I cannot afford to do that. I will say, Jake, you could compete and you could earn packs. Why I, don't you I can't. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, you're not, you're oh. not me. You could be play my decks and beat Eternatus, and uh, you could tweet yourself. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Doing this on stream, Twitch.tv slash Atrocious Gameplay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Speed right. run. Do we want to uh, to cut it over to the interview with Isaiah now? But yes, let's go over again. Wonderful interview. I'm super excited for everyone to listen to it. Here is Isaiah Bradner. We are here with a special special guest today this is this year's kind of world champion you may have heard of the atlas pog championships that happened just the other weekend we have the winner here but not just only the atlas pog championship there are many many other wonderful accomplishments that this player has done throughout the year it is isaiah bradner isaiah say hi to everybody hey guys uh, how's it going thanks for having me on no, thank you for coming on. So tell us a little bit of yourself, maybe give like a brief bio and, you know, all the accomplishments that you've had this year alone. Yeah, sure. So my name is Isaiah Bradner. I've been playing for about four years. I played for three years in the senior division, and then I aged up last year, had this last year in Masters. In Masters, I top forward the Atlantic City Regionals, top aided Knoxville Regionals, had a variety of other top 32s around the year. And then most recently, as I've already mentioned, I won the Atlas Pog unofficial world championships this year. And not to mention just winning Atlas Pog, you kind of won it with a deck that, at least from what I've seen content creator-wise, nobody was going around talking about peak run. But before yeah. we get into more of like Pog and stuff, aside from that weekend, what has been your favorite moment so far as a player? I think that my favorite moment as a player is is hands down last year I was actually able to win the North American International Championships in the senior division and that was such a big deal to me I was so happy to finally do that because I had put so much effort into that event I had really been testing and grinding for a while it had been my dream to win internationals and seniors and I had come so close so many times the previous year I actually got second so being able to come back to finals again take that title finally uh I was able to, or it was just really happy for me. So that's my, that's my best memory when I think back on Pokemon. And that would have been your last year in seniors, right? Yes. That was my final international event. Your senior year in seniors. And you're like, okay, if it's going to, if I'm going to get in, in the championship here in seniors, it's got to be this year now or never. <laughs> yep, exactly. So it worked out well. So Very were nice. you playing, were you, what were you playing during that event? And was it Zorark? <laughs> yes. Yes. It was actually, I played the same 1558, I guess, technically, card list is Stefan Ivanov. So, tested with, with him and his group up to the event, and then we brought pretty much the same deck. It was the Zoro Dugong Naganadel deck. So, the kind of Zoro chess archetype is, is what I played at that event. No, I've, I, uh, I was actually at that event. That was the first Pokemon event that I was able to go to and like spectate because I didn't mm -hmm. decide to be a competitive player until after that event because I was like, wow, this is so cool, dude. Like, uh, so that was kind of the first like real deck that I saw. So shout outs to you for, for doing that. But you said that you had like been testing with Stefan and his group and stuff like that. 
let's kind of move into the Atlas Pog Championships and just your preparations, like overall for most any events. So, like, especially with Darkness Ablaze coming out, this Atlas Pog Championship coming into the pre rotation format. How do you prep for a format like that, especially especially when you're only going to have like one major event there? Yeah, so a big part of my prepping for this format was actually in coaching. So I have I have students that I coach, and a lot of my testing originally was done through coaching because they had a deck that they really liked, and then I would play all the meta decks for this format against them. So that was a great outlet where I could play in real life Pokemon with someone was through coaching. Another way that I did it was... Uh, my friend Will Jenkins, he was testing for the Players' Cup Finals, so I played post-rotation with him. And while that isn't the same format, it had a lot of the same matchups, like Scorch, Eternatus, ADPZ, those were all in both formats. So I could test post-rotation with him, but it could also pay off for, for my POG pre-rotation. And then finally, as soon as the new set came out on PDCGO, I just started playing as much as I could. The The final two weeks leading up to the event, I played more Pokemon than I've played in a while, so... I think that that was probably the biggest amount of testing for me was just grinding as much PDCGO as I could once the cards came out online. That's so cool. Is that like, oh, go ahead. Oh, Sean, you go. Uh, I was going to say, like, it just, uh, I do like the idea that, like, you know, teaching and learning uh, at the same time, like, via your coaching is like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I know that a lot of people might think, like, oh, if, I, if you have a coach, I know that not everybody out there gets Pokemon coaching necessarily, but um, if you do, like, it's as good for the coach in some ways um, as it is for the student. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. That's kind of insane, though, that you're that you're coaching as you're like so young. Like I know kids your age in my local area that are pretty prevalent, like seniors. Well, I guess they're younger than you since they're seniors right now, but they're they're younger than you. They've got big brains just like you. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they've ever thought about coaching. So, like, when did you actually start getting into that? I'm curious. So I started getting into it last, well, my final year in seniors is when I started coaching. So I coached a few kids my final year of seniors, but I didn't really start coaching as much uh, until my first year in masters, understandably. But yeah, I started coaching. I think a few kids asked me while I was still in seniors after I had a successful run. And then I was like, uh, well, might as well, sure. And then I continued into masters. It's actually something I, I really enjoy. I love being able to play Pokemon and and being able to teach, you know, help kids get better. But also another thing is it, it really helps them as well. It's really, it's really good. I really love being able to see my kids have success whenever they take a list that we, we made and we tested and they get finals at a regionals or they win a regionals. I love that. And I also just love talking to them in general. So coaching is one thing I really enjoy. That's crazy. So like go, going back to kind of how you, Will Jenkins, you know, you guys were playing around the same 60, relatively similar, I believe, correct? Yes, yeah, same 60. Me, him, and Justin Bakari all played it. Okay, so what's... And you've talked about doing a whole bunch of other groups of people like Stefan. You know, he's on the other side of the world, um, and you're testing with him. So, like, how do you decide, like, testing groups and then, like, who is who is good to test with for what event and things like that? Like, how... Because I have no idea. My testing group is Twitch chat. So yeah. that's, like, that's, that's how I do it. But how do you, how does that go about for you? So I'm actually extremely lucky in that right off the bat, going into my, my year in Masters, I got added into a great group of guys. So for the last year, I had really tested with one of my best friends, Rowan Stavenow, and Lucas Zing, me, him, uh, us three, we would band together and test and try to find the best play for seniors. 
And then my, my friends, Michael Cageline and John Eng, they would test with me a lot as well. So that's who I worked with a lot of last year. But coming into the start of this year, I was asked by Justin Kulos and Will Jenkins to join a group of players they were forming who were going to try to be the best team in North America. So we got together. It was originally me, Justin, Will Jenkins, Justin Bakari, Keon Amini, and Kenny Britton. And then we've added a, a few players here and there. But it's mainly been us. I think that's seven players. It's mainly been us seven throughout the year. So I've really been lucky. I've gotten to know those guys really well. They've become super close to me. So that's who I've been testing with for pretty much every event this year. And uh, I love it. So, yeah, definitely I got really lucky being able to find a testing group kind of just handed to me almost. So Is that like the – oh, sorry, Sean. No, no, go ahead. Um, is that kind of like the Team Rockets hideout? Because I know you write for Team Rockets hideout. Um, is that kind of – are all those players kind of in that realm too? No, none of us are really sponsored by a specific entity or we're not really bound together by anything. It's more that we were kind of friends that knew each other before and then we were all going to be playing Pokemon this year. So we decided to to band together and make a more serious team, if that makes any sense. What's the strategy behind everyone from a group all sort of picking a single deck? Is is there actually a strategy or is it just that you all land on, well, clearly this is the best deck, so why wouldn't we run it? So I think that you, you kind of said it there, but... I don't know if it's as much a strategy, but whenever you're in a group of guys and you're all testing together for a tournament, you all you all want to land on you know the one best deck. So in general, I think the reason that most teams would play a single deck is because that's what they've all seen has been the best throughout testing. And because you're working with the same people, it just makes sense that what one person found to be the best deck is also what you would have found to be the best deck if you're all working together. There have been instances where we all split up and play separate decks like for for Knoxville this year, I ended up playing Pidgey Control, and the others all played Pika. So we just split off because we like different decks there. There's obviously nothing tying us together, but in general, I think that it, it's that you're all testing together, like I said before. So you're all giving the same opinions. You're all changing changing your decks. So it's very easy to to land on the same list. And going in that same vein, I also think that it's helpful as a player to have someone else playing your same deck. It helps you feel a lot more confident. So, example, for Collinsville, I hadn't really tested that much and expanded, but Kenny Britton had played a lot, and he thought that Trevnor was the best deck. So whenever we got there, we kind of grinded Trevnor with him. We all settled on a list, and then it really felt good because we had four top players that all felt like, this is the play, this is the best list. So whenever you have all these opinions coming in, I guess the, the best theory is that you should be able to craft a good list, you should be able to craft a list you feel good with, and then, um, in general, it just... It just so happens that everyone feels like it's the best play, I guess. So kind of leading up to Pog, if you can remember back in your testing, can you give us kind of like a timeline of like where you thought, you know, maybe Senescorch was the best tech or like, and then you figured out all that stuff. So I can can definitely give you a timeline because I was thinking about this a few days ago. Uh, As you said, actually, I started off my testing thinking that Senescorch was an insane deck. I wrote an article on Senescorch calling it the best deck in format and... I thought it was the best deck in format. It was beating almost everything in my testing for, I think it was like the week before Pog, I thought Scorch was the best deck. And then I, I thought it was good on Monday. And then on Tuesday, I was like, wait, maybe ADPization is the best deck. And so then I really got hard on ADPization. I thought that was the best deck for pretty much the entire the entirety of the week, I think. I was telling everyone to play ADPization. I had I think three or four friends play ADPization in day one of Pog. I just I gave them my list and told them it was the best deck in format. And then I think that out of the, it was five people 
only two of it made day two and three of them missed. So after that, as I was watching my friends kind of not make day two with the list that I told them to play on Saturday, I was like, well, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, this was the deck that I was prepared to play for this weekend. And then it really just kind of flopped in day one. So that was really the point where I started talking and, and, and discussing with the rest of my team. And we all realized that I, I've said this other places. We, we kind of felt a peaker on because it was the only deck we felt that had a real chance to win. If you started behind decks like Eternatus and Sunny Scorch and ADPZ, while those are all great decks, they don't really have any comeback. The game is all a prize trade for them. They don't have the ability to item lock like Picaram, to paralyze like Picaram. So it just gave us a chance to win past the very early game, which we felt like any deck didn't have. And from there, we started testing it. We refined a list that I had made about a week before. We changed two cards, and then we rolled with it. So my friend Justin Bakari had been pretty much playing the deck the entire week. He lost Picaram. He he was always going to play it, but... I really hadn't been on the deck until uh, I'd say Saturday night. Wow, that is a crazy last minute shift there. I mean, <laughs> I will say like having the um, benefit of being able to see what people took to day one, obviously like, you know, you earn the benefit being able to like get enough points to qualify for Worlds before. But I, yeah, it's interesting to see how that sort of changed your mind last minute. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. I think one thing that's interesting to me is like the two Vika Volts, right? Because... You know, I, I'm not really like I haven't played a lot of Picaram since like in about a year uh, after the last rotation. But, mm-hmm. you know, people play it a lot and think about it. And, you know, I'd seen and I have thought about like okay, one Vikavolt. How did you land on the two? Was it like I don't want to prize them or was did you feel like there was enough good matchups where having two Vikavolts like actually playing both would be viable and beneficial? So it. This was, I think this was the biggest takeaway by far from the last night of testing we did, where we sat down with one Vikavolt in our list, pretty much like everyone else did. And then there was also a Boltund in the list. And the entire time that we had been testing up until that point, I don't think that I had used the Boltund uh, literally once. I had laddered a ton of games. I had played it in our testing. Maybe it came up a few times, but the card had been extremely useless for me. So uh, that was one observation I made. I said, hey, this Boltund's really useless. However... I feel like I want to use Vikavolt every game. We found out that Vikavolt was insanely good in the Eternatus matchup. You wanted to lead with that. And if they were playing the research version, most of them were still playing Switch. So if you item lock something in the active, they would miss the attack turn two. It was obviously insane in the Baby Blounds matchup. And then pretty much in ev- almost every matchup, as as you saw on stream in my finals matchup versus Sander, I led with the Vikavolt in my top four matchup against the Vikavolt, the straight Vikavolt deck. I led with my two Vikavolts. So... At first, it was just a kind of, hey, we want to use this every game. It wouldn't be a bad idea to play two. But from there, as we did our final testing, it really came up that the second Vikavolt was just really good to have, well, a second copy of. In matchups like Baby Bounds, if you have the one Vikavolt, they have a lot of time. They can use their Intrepid Sword to build their hand huge, and then maybe they get lucky enough to discard five energy and knock out your Vikavolt. If you only have one Vikavolt, then you can still lose from that point. But putting in the second one, that just made it so easy because you would just drop the second Vikavolt and then item lock them again. And this wasn't only true for the Baby Bonds matchup. This was true for almost every matchup. We would go in with the first Vikavolt, item lock early game. We would transition into Picarom, um, use the full list to set up a bench tag team. And then once they knocked out our Picarom, we would stamp item lock them when they were at one prize card. And then we would just slowly whittle them down from there. So I think that 
the one peak realm was a or, sorry the one vega volt was an easy inclusion it's obviously a broken attacker right but the second one was really impactful because one you needed it in almost every matchup so you couldn't prize it and then two just having the second one was so much for your opponent to get to through I can't get over how like five head this conversation has become. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like it's it's awesome. I'm so excited because like, and just hearing you like be passionate about like how the deck is run and like the transitions into it, like it's absolutely fabulous. So I mean, it's definitely a victory that I think that you deserve. Congrats on making a last second switch. Cause I, <laughs> I played, yeah. I played Glacephalon GX for my last second switch. Cause I wasn't comfortable enough on control and, uh, that didn't work. So, <laughs> so congrats to you. But like, now let's like move into after pog. So pogs over rotation at the time of this recording has happened on PTCGO. You can now play post rotation on ladder and such. Um, do you think that Pog was kind of Pikaram's last ride, the 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 final goodbye before, you know, the deck is dead? I personally don't think that the deck is dead. It will never be as good as it was, obviously. Electro Power is one of the most broken item cards ever printed, so just losing a, a plus 30 damage when you play that card is obviously going to hurt the deck, but I don't think that it's dead. I think it still has the strength of both Full Blitz and Tag Bolt are insane attacks, being able to accelerate three energy and then tag bolt being able to take multiple prize cards in one turn those are just attacks that other decks don't have access to so i think that peak realm is still a fine deck in this format vigavolt v is obviously strong as well you can slow down other decks start and on top of that inteleon has been getting a lot of hype lately and unless i'm wrong peak realm should destroy inteleon so yeah it should on paper yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think that the deck is dead i definitely think that it's worse but i think that uh, people should not write it off. They should they should test it. They should try to find a good list for it. I think there's a way that Pekron can still work because the card is just insanely broken in and of its own right. And there's so much lightning support that I can I can definitely see the deck still being a contender. So you do you think that for like Pekaram at least this is just kind of me trying to theory craft. Do you think because Pekaram has naturally slowed down with like Thunder Mountain being gone, Electro Power being gone, that especially with the inclusion that you and your group put in with Vicable and such an emphasis on that for literally almost every game. Do you think that it uses that as well to like consistently use it every single game to force the opponent to slow down? So it's like in the ratio of speed from then to now, it's like Pikaram is still relatively fast, especially when it uses item lock compared to other decks. Oh, for sure. I mean, the turn one Vika Volt can, like, as I said before, it can really slow your opponent down. And that, that's kind of one of the great things because the deck can, has the room now. You have to cut so many cards. You have to cut the Thunder Mountain. You have to cut the, uh, I mean, you play Nets over a skateboard. You have to cut the Thunder Mountain. You have to cut the Electro Power. But you have a little bit more room now, so you can afford to play higher counts of things like Energy Switch. And then you can go in for the turn one item lock. But on turn two, you know, you can just use your Energy Switch, go right into the Peak Rom, and then go into Full Blitz from there. So I think that while the deck does slow down by losing Thunder Mountain, I don't even know if it's that much slower because the deck really wanted the turn two full blitz. It could get turn one full blitz, but I wouldn't really say going for that was your game plan. So I think that the deck does get a little bit slower, but that, that should be its problem in, in this format. If it has a problem, it's going to be its damage output, I think, because 
obviously electro power as i said losing that's a big deal especially when your your 150 damage attack doesn't even one shot the the things in the meta senescorch eternatus uh, all those things so didene <laughs> yeah even, like, even ten short. it, it it's that's going to be a big hurdle to get over. You have to maybe play stuff like Zigzagoon or Vitality Band. So I'm not sure how that's going to go, but I think the deck can can still keep up in speed at least. Uh, tab- unless you price Coco Prism, that might be that might be that might be auto scoop. Get that out of there. <laughs> we might need to put both on back in for to get the extra energy acceleration. But I think the deck can it can still work. It's still uh, a fast, consistent deck, and and that's one really good thing about Picarom. Continuing so, on, because you had mentioned that. Electro power was such a prevalent card and now it's rotating. What are some other things that are rotating that you may be like super happy to see gone out of there and never have to see <laughs> you again? Or, you know, maybe like, oh man, this is, uh, this makes me real sad, you know, to see rotate. Yeah, I'm not really sure about cards that I'm super happy to see rotate. Um, I don't know. I haven't really hated any of the cards. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Malamar because. My, my friend Katron loves Malamar, so I'm going to say I'm glad to see Malamar get out of this format. But I think the card that I'm sad to see leave is I really, I'm really i really a big fan of Oranguru. Ultra Prism Control is one of my favorite decks to play. I absolutely love the way that you can just navigate the game. You can have an advantage over your opponent, and you can, well, you can control pretty much every aspect of it, right? Like, if you build the deck perfectly, and if you set up decent enough, then there's really nothing your opponent can do, so... I personally am a big fan of Orangri Ultra Prism. I've I've loved that card. I've played it in so many decks. So I will be personally sad uh, to see Orangri gone. Although I know that it is quite a controversial opinion. No, I think Orangri. Oh, sorry, Sean. <laughs> no, you go. Say, you go. I think it is a controversial opinion, but I, I would agree that um, I was listening to the uh, the tag team podcast actually earlier today, and they make a good point that like. Yes, a Rangaroo like can sometimes be very difficult and annoying if you're on the other end of it. But there is a lot of skill that it brings into a meta. Um, I mean, just look at Sander, right? Like like your opponent yeah. in that game, like it was it was a struggle, you know? And like it's because, you know, you have a very good player who really understands this card making the the best use of it. So it, it, it is sad to see when you a card that requires a lot of skill leaves a format. So then you're you know, left, in my opinion, you're left with some cards like ADP, which is a good card. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I think the GX attack is becoming tiresome. And I don't think yeah, that the GX requires a lot of skill necessarily. doesn't have much complexity. It kind of, you know, it has the text on its card and it does what it does. It can't really be used for the creativity that a Ranger can be used for. Yeah. I just want to mention that your Sheninja deck was the only thing that kept me playing in the Sword and Shield <laughs> format. I freaking love that deck. It was so fun. I, Just like, I also love that deck. It was, I mean, it wasn't like the best deck because like in that format, it was either like ADP or mill, right? Yeah. I believe. So like it wasn't the best, but it was something not ADP or like mill, mm-hmm. like super turbo mill focused. So uh, that that is the only reason that I kept playing in that <laughs> format. So thank you for that. I'm glad that, I'm glad that someone enjoyed that deck. Uh, but what kind of, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. You had mentioned like Inteleon VMAX is coming up and a lot of people are playing and hyped about it. What are some other decks or cards specifically that you have seen right now? Cause you had also mentioned that you've done some post rotation testing. You did some with, uh, Will Jenkins. Yes. Um, what do you think sees the biggest increase now that we're in a new format? 
Well, I I personally think that uh, well, I think Intellion sees the biggest increase. I think that deck was horrible pre-rotation, and I haven't tested it at all. It might still be horrible post, but it's seeing a lot of success, so it probably is decent in post-rotation. So that's a deck that will probably see a spike in play. I personally think that Eternatus is the best deck in format. Uh, I've tested a, a good bit of it in post-rotation, and while it lost cards like Acrobatic, which I love playing in the deck, it really didn't lose much of its core, right? I mean, it was all in Darkness of Blaze. You have the Eternatus, you have the Crobat. So I think that that deck is going to be be the front runner for sure in this format, and then the normal decks will be behind it. I think ADP is pretty good. I actually think the Welder decks lose a lot from a skateboard. While everything seems like it would lose from a skateboard, Welder really loses more than everything else because Welder needs two pieces. It needs the Fire Energy and the Welder in their hand. And whenever you need double switch in your hand to use Jirachi, that just hurts the deck's consistency so much. So I think Fire decks take a big hit from rotation, and I expect ADP and Eternatus to just be doing as well as ever. You're not going to play a Galarian Rapidash and U-Turn board combo? (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Ingenious. That's what I keep hearing so many people post in like Twitch chats and stuff like that. And I'm like, look, if you're going to set, just go for it then. Put it in and see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, just just come back. (laughs) But um, what what is maybe a card or a deck that you think has been like super on, like give us the insights as content creators, Sean and I need help making content. You know, we need, we need some stuff. What's the, what's the secret deck that nobody's talking about right now. You can leak it here. Be the first person to talk about it. Okay. Well, it's not really a secret deck, but I have absolutely no idea why people don't play turbo patch in Eternatus. I think that turbo patch is broken in Eternatus. I play four in my deck. It, solves one huge problem with the deck which is that people can exploit you having only one energy on the board and we've really seen that in one sanders control deck right he had cards that could just return one energy now obviously turnus was going to be a fine matchup for him no matter what but if you look at decks like intellion post rotation one thing they can do is just pick up the one energy on eternatus and then you have to attach and pass if they do that for a while then they're going to build up enough damage on the board and you're just going to lose so I really love Turbo Patch in Eternatus. I think it makes the deck a lot faster, more consistent. It lets you lose an energy drop. It lets you... Uh, it's a lot better against Crushing Hammers. So that's kind of my, I guess, my nugget of, of testing that, that I think applies to this format is I would for sure be playing Turbo Patch in Eternatus right now. You know, Turbo Patch is great, but all you have to do is flip heads. But sometimes <laughs> you, just, you just don't flip heads. That is that is unfortunately a problem that comes with the card. It's not as good as something like Elixir where you can build your deck around it. It is just a 50-50 no matter what happens. So that is that is the one downside of it. You know, It can somewhat make your deck less consistent, both because you don't know what the outcome is going to be, and it's not really a good card in some stages of the game. But I think it's still it's it's still worth playing, at least trying out. I haven't seen it in any list, which is surprising. So Yeah, I don't think I've seen it in I don't think I've seen it in any Eternatus list either. So uh if you ever make content, Isaiah, just drop that nugget right there. You'll be the first one to do it. <laughs> Let's Instant. go. But uh, as as we like to do with every episode, we like to make sure that every listener can try to at least learn something. Um, so what is kind of the advice that you would give on maybe some current juniors and seniors um, that will soon age up or maybe, well, I guess there's no like age up this year. Yeah. Or this season, but it's gonna like catch up to will, them though. It's gonna, yeah, it's, it's gonna be twenty twenty two when we play again and they're gonna be like, When I was playing, I was I was I didn't have a license and now and now I'm old enough to drink and now I can play again. 
but still like yeah that same concept of like for those of people that are moving from either junior to senior or senior to master what do you recommend to them before like their first event in that new age group so i think that one big thing that you need to understand when you move from seniors and juniors to masters it can be really intimidating but you need to know that if you're a good player then you're still going to be a good player in the masters division just because you change division doesn't mean that your skill level is going to you know, drop exponentially. Uh, a little secret, I mean, a lot of people say this, is that I don't think that the average master player is that much better than the average senior player. Uh, it, there's a lot of people in masters. There's obviously a lot of really good players that you might not find in seniors, but I think the average player that you can find, it's very doable, very, very possible for someone in seniors that just aged up to be the same skill level as them. So I would say that I would just put in the work, you know, um, one big thing is you want to find a, people, a group of people that you can test with. Obviously, that's not possible for everyone. And if that's not possible, then, you know, feel free to message top players. Top players, like, if people message me, then I'll respond. I'll give my honest opinion. I love talking to people. So I would say just when you go into the big events, know that it might seem scary. I was definitely a little bit intimidated when I went into my first Masters event. But know that uh, you d- you you deserve to be there if you're there uh, you you have just as much right to do well as anyone else so just give your best feel confident and um yeah i think that's that's the what i've that's what i would have to say on that topic so now transitioning into kind of everyone because like i don't know masters people that are already my age boomers so well sean is the <laughs> boomer of this podcast actually. well okay boomer so. of this podcast i suppose but for everybody, kind of like in terms of deck building. So like I've tried to build my own decks. I'm not going to lie. It's been uh, atrocious, one could say. But <laughs> how, would you, how would you recommend for those that want to take it to that next level of deck building and trying to make their own thing, how do you recommend that they get going on that? Because there's obviously good deck builders and then there's great deck builders. Yeah, so... There's a few things in the deck building and testing process that really make a huge difference. Number one, I think that this isn't something that you hear a lot, but you have to realize that sometimes the the basic thing is okay. Sometimes just having your deck with Jirachi in it and the Jirachi engine is what needs to happen. And while you might make your deck different by taking out the Jirachi, that might not necessarily make it better. So one big thing is you have to be okay with realizing that the normal standards might be what you have to do. Another thing is you can't be biased. So if you're testing and one deck's losing, even though you really like the deck, you have to admit, well, this deck is losing. Maybe it's not the best deck. So I think those are two big tips I have for for deck building and testing. But when it comes to creating your own decks, uh, whenever you make your deck, you know, you just need to start out with a solid idea, right? If you have a deck that's a solid idea, maybe um, maybe it's never been thought of before, but that doesn't mean it's not good. For example, Buzzrock. No one had any idea that deck was a thing. And then the some Norwegian players brought it to the European internationals and they smashed the competition, right? So you just have to... It's really great to, to once again, with, with the testing group, just have people you can bounce ideas off of. But even if you don't have that, just you know build your deck on PTCGO, look at it, try to, try to compare it to maybe a top deck that's done well. Maybe you can run the same sort of engine, just switch out the attackers, and then play it on the ladder. Maybe maybe you hit some matchups and, and you beat them and it really shows promise, or maybe you find your deck has some flaws. Maybe it loses to a top deck you didn't realize could beat it, or maybe it's just not as consistent. So I think that one thing is you really need to think through the deck, realize that some strategies can be good even if they hadn't be, haven't been thought of, 
and that often using the the best already proven engines for decks can be the best way to even build a new archetype. Sean, do you have anything you wanna you wanna throw? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. I want to throw over the fence now, but I will say, Isaiah, thank you for coming on. If you want to plug, if you have anything you want to plug, I know you're not affiliated with a proper team, but shout <laughs> out here uh, to what all all the folks you want to shout out. Yeah, so I want to shout out. First of all, I'm on Twitter, I, Isaiah Bradner. You can go and follow me on Twitter. I, I got to shout out all the boys, as I said before. Um, thanks for for all we've done this year. Had some great times. Thanks for all the success. I couldn't have done it without any of you guys. And then I need to shout out my mom because i would not have woken up for day one of paul day two of paul if it weren't for her (laughs) so huge shout out to my mom for coming down and waking me up and thanks to you guys for having me on again as an alternate universe in which you don't wake up in which your mom doesn't (laughs) get you up on time yeah that's what she was telling me um she was actually scared because she came down at eight and luckily for me the tournament had a delay or i would have missed round one because she came down she was like isaiah you missed round one uh, luckily, I didn't. And then that night, she was like, "I was kind of the hero of this tournament." Not gonna lie, you wouldn't have done anything if it weren't for me. And I was like, did "That's you, true, mom." Did you tweet like? Did you tweet and say like, "Man, shout out to mom"? You know, I did not. Oh my gosh, that's such not. a man. That's a disservice. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, this is gonna be posted after I tweet that. So I did tweet that. Okay, ah, good, good. There we go. There, see, this is a smart <laughs> man right here. This is a smart man right here. Also, like your dad also is very supportive on Twitter. He is, he, he is very supportive. That's awesome because I don't think my dad even knows what a Pikachu is. So. <laughs> I got so. lucky that, uh, you know, I started when I was young. So my dad was kind of my first actual testing partner. He would play games against me. He would talk through decks with me. He, he knows how to play the game. So I love that my dad understands what's going on. Dang. No, that's awesome. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Isaiah, for jumping on the podcast with us. All right. Uh, that was the interview with Mr. Bradner. Um, appreciate him for coming on uh, after his POG victory. And uh, I think he won POG. And did he go on and he, did he win a couple of other tournaments? He, or was, nearly? he was second in the JGB. We should have okay. mentioned that. Yeah. But so, he was second overall playing. What deck was he playing, Sean? Uh, Max. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. He um, told us on there that Eternatus was going to be good. He he did, and, and I I Turbo made Patch. a video on Eternatus being good, and it, it got a lot of views. But what That's were you right. saying? I'm sorry. Oh, with with Turbo Patch. Oh yes, 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 Turbo Patch. I don't know if he was actually playing Turbo Patch because the list is not. He was okay. Cool. Yep, cool I asked cool. him. Okay, cool. Uh, so last thing that we're gonna do, we're gonna start a new segment. Um, it's gonna be called Question of the Day. So. Every week, we're well, that's do what, this. that's what it is right now. Well, that's yeah, what it is right now. That's what it's it is. going to be called. I ju- I literally like five minutes before the podcast, I was like, Sean, what if we do a question of the day thing every every episode? Okay, so well, there, there will be a more creative name in the in the coming weeks, but that's you name, get the gist of what it is. <laughs> name pending, uh, but. Basically, we're going to take like one specific topic. Uh, hopefully, you can submit them as well. This week, we're just pulling it from the very obvious pool of questions or, or thoughts that are coming out on Twitter, uh, which is... In the last like 12 hours. Oh my God. So, so much tweet. So much tweet. Um, the, the, the question at hand is, should ADP be banned? Jake, what do you think about the question, even if you don't have a strong uh, opinion on the answer? I don't, I think that ADP is a problem. I think after playing this game for over a year now competitively, 
I think the idea of it's GX, especially specifically the GX plus, I think is a is an issue. I think everybody's right. And when they say like it does gatekeep like one prize decks, you know, I played in the format where you either chose ADPZ or Mill, Chinchino Mill, or you lost, right? So it's like that part to me is really tricky, but a lot of it also there's a lot of people also like I think ADP should be probably just like I, I'm curious to see how ADP how it would be if it was a eroded to where like instead of 30 damage with the plus you would do like 60 damage, you know? Oh, like not giving you the extra prize, just giving you extra like, damage. Yeah, because I think the problem arises with the extra prize. The problem is not the 30 damage. The problem is the extra prize with ADP's GX, to my understanding of playing the game for a while. Now, a lot of people are also saying to ban boss's orders. See, that... And, like, that's a whole different conversation, to be honest, but, like... Yeah. I just want to I just want to acknowledge that, because, like... Would boss really even be a problem if ADP wasn't a thing? Because, like, I didn't play back when Lysander was in format. I really didn't. But you go. Sorry. No, I was going to say, I think the reason that boss, that people see boss in a negative light now is because you have three prize Pokemon, right? Yeah. When Lysander was in format, and even for most of the time that Guzma was in format, the vast majority of Pokemon were not three prize Pokemon. Whereas now the vast majority of attacking Pokemon or decks are revolve around three prizers. So the idea that you can knock out one three prizer gust, knock out another, and you only need two knockouts for game. I suppose it's like, well, well that's the risk you run when you play a three prizer, but, um, but in the, but there's less- the modifier with, with ADP that makes it so literally, any like almost any good card is at least a three prizer. Yeah. Or more. Especially the setup Pokemon like Dedenes and Crobats. Yeah, the staples and... for literally every deck. And yeah. like, okay, so then you're like, well, just don't play those. Well, okay, then you play like Jirachi or something, right? Well, they knock out your VMAX, there's four prizes, and then they just bring up your Jirachi and boom, there's game. Yeah, no. So I'm, we're back at square one. I'm on board with you in the perspective that like it definitely feels pretty crappy um, to think like, okay, they print all these good Pokemon Vs, right? Not even the VMAXs. Like there's Bolton, there's Vikavolt. There's like a number of different cards that like, okay, well, but once they get their GX attack off, they knock out just two of your main Pokemon and it's so easy. Like it's almost impossible to survive an attack from a Zacian uh, or, you know, any number of cards it could run with, but usually Zacian. Um, I just think that ADP Z is such a gatekeeper for innovation and like good ideas. I yeah. just, I no, because the question any deck has to run is right now, can this beat ADP? Because if the yeah. answer to that is no, at least for the last seven months, eight months, if the answer is no, then, then your answer to should I play this deck is also no. You can play it for fun, but you're not going to win. Um, it's, and I think for me, boss is not the problem. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think boss's order is a problem. The, the format, the game has almost always had gust. And I think as much as it is weird with boss's order in a three prize format, 
that's just like, I think then your problem is more three prizers than gust. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, imagine, remember the time when we didn't oh, have trust gust. me. I think tag teams are not super great for the game either. Yeah. After being, after playing in the tag team era and watching a lot of retro formats as of late. Oh yeah. I mean, I would honestly prefer it if we, you know, they would have to do some sort of a hard reset for this, but you know, if the VMAX type Pokemon evolving Pokemon were two prizes again, like they were in the, like, what was it? The EX era or whatever. Um, that would be nice. Cause then the games are a little longer. There's more strategy to it, but now you just knock two things out and you win easy. Um, but I, I just, I think banning ADP, if they were to errata it, errata it, it would have to read like your next, you know, the next Pokemon you knock out, you get an extra prize, not for the rest of the game. Um, or they need to print something like Pokemon Ranger, right? Which mm-hmm. if you don't remember, like I don't remember cause I didn't play in this format. It is like, uh, it's a card that's played and expanded that then turns off ADP's GX after they've used it. So that's a card that a lot of cards and ex- decks and expanded, I think we're playing for a bit. And if they reprint something like that in the Vivid Voltage set, I think it would go a very long way. Because then all of a sudden with ADP, it's like, well, is it now even worth it to ADP if all a deck has to do is play this other card and it negates that you know, one or two turns of setup I did for this? I think something that we also need to keep in mind in this conversation, and I, I just scrolled on Twitter because I have to multitask whenever I do literally anything. So sometimes I scroll on Twitter as we do the podcast. Diego Casiraga? I probably said your name wrong. I'm sorry. But I think a lot of people maybe know who this is. Um, I think they put out a good tweet that says, Eternatus won Pog, JGB, and the Azul sub-tournament. And at the Players' Cup, only one of the decks with ADP won a travel award. So, like, so they're wondering, like, if Eternatus is winning all these things and, like, ADP is not winning all these things, like, is it logical to ban ADP? And I kind of, like, that kind of makes sense, right? I mean, like, it would make sense to ban ADP during the Sword and Shield format because it was literally, I've said this so many times, it's literally that or Mill that you could have played. So, like, it would make sense to ban, like, ADP or Bilobo and Bryson Man during that time because those were, like, literal gatekeepers of the format. And, yes, like, ADP does gatekeep a little bit, but also so does, like, Eternatus is killing it. I will say right this. Now and overly killing it. <laughs> no, I think Eternatus is doing very, very well, but... They're printing cards that are going to be pretty hard counters to Eternatus. Like they've they've got this theme going right now. Now I don't think it'll be a hard counter as much as this was at a counter to Dragapult, but the problem with ADP is it doesn't have to always win to still be a problem. That was what somebody's I think response to that was. Um and I think that is the main thing, right? Like Oh yeah, that's what Azul said. It makes that's up what Azul tweeted. Yeah. It makes up enough of the meta that even if it's not winning every tournament, even if there's one deck that can beat it, well, then what it does is it pigeonholes everyone into playing the one deck that can beat it instead of all of the other decks that could be played if it didn't exist. So, look, you're always going to have decks that are good and decks that are not good because a certain deck is good. You always have that. But I think that ADP has an impact on 
a variety of different decks that it that that expands far beyond the influence any other deck normally is meant to have. I think its sphere of influence is really what matters, right? The sphere of influence mm-hmm. of that is very wide because it's literally the sphere of influence is any Pokemon, any you know deck that has one prizers or has two prizers that can't withstand uh, an attack. Um, and that's just, you know, frustrating. So I, I don't, I, I, I would, I would vote for a ban. I think it's had a whole year to be a card. That's a lot of time. And so then you ban it and you say, cool, cool, cool. Let's, let's, let's reset this. I also, um, this is just a question for if they, if David, David Hodgman, I still don't want to say his first name. I'm so sorry. I just watched a clip of him taking 22 prize cards in one attack. I need some context on this video that I just watched. <laughs> 22. How is that possible? I don't understand. He also has 44 prizes available before he starts taking them. So I sounds like a glitch. I, <laughs> it, I don't understand what's happening, but if if he wants to give some context, the main cards that were used Arceus ADP turns Mew into a water Pokemon. Wait, what? I don't know. Oh, even... no, Arceus. Oh, there's my like gosh. some real complex stuff going on. PTCGO, man. It's the best. Client oh, no. Okay. Ever so, 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 okay. Here. So, those were the, so the main cards that they use. There's an Arceus card that allows Mew to be a water Pokemon. And then, therefore, you can use Misty Lorelei to use Alter Creation multiple times. Because you continuously use Missing Lorelei to allow your water Pokemon to GX again. And since Mew Prime copies Pokemon's attacks, you can constantly use Alter Creation. Oh, this is some expanded tomfoolery. And then, <laughs> and then, well, it's even farther than that because it has Palkia and Dialga Legend allows you to take more prize cards. So this is like Heart Gold Soul Silver. This is like. This is like this is unlimited, unlimited almost. Okay. Yeah, because that's this is legacy stuff as well. But like, this is exactly wow. why expanded and back is uh, and trying to mix that with current cards is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's I cool. highly, you know, instead of plugging my own channel, I'm gonna plug David Hotchman's Twitter account at or it's not David, it's David. I believe it's David, but D A V I D H O C H. M-A-N-N. Check out that video. It's fucking insane. It's cool to watch, but I'm like, what? And it literally just like stopped everything that I was thinking about because I was like, this is insane. All right. On that note, let's wrap it up, Jake. Pokemon's a little crazy right now. Pokemon is crazy. But uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. Subscribe, rate and review us on whatever platform allows you to do that. Even on Yelp. Check out our Twitter Review us on Yelp. <laughs> Check out our Twitter account at MetapodTCG, where I'll, we'll pose the question of the day there after this video releases. So uh, probably by the time that you probably by the time that you hear this and listen to this, the tweet will be up about should ADP be banned, and there's where you can like leave your input, your feedback, maybe like, hey, I really like Sean bringing up X Y Z, or like Jake, you're freaking idiot please don't say that though <laughs> you can say that a lot nicer every, every, people do it every day um and yeah 
Yeah. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Twitter. And uh, we will catch you next week for another episode of Metapod. Peace out. Bye.